Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode this week. We've got a great episode this week. My guest with me this week is Carrie Pomerali. She is a comedian and also the author of a book called Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman, which is a hilarious title for a book, which we're going to get into in this conversation. But I really enjoyed this talk with Carrie. She lives in Los Angeles, and I really enjoyed this conversation and her perspective about being a Christian, working in an industry like comedy, living in a place like L.A., what that does for fostering some feelings of comparison, uh, which is stuff that we have talked about quite a bit on this show. But she understands the pressures to keep up with what might feel like impossible standards in the entertainment industry. And so I really enjoyed her perspective, obviously from a Christian perspective, and really just how she has navigated this career. And I always love being able to bring on comedians on this show because it obviously just provides a little bit of levity, which I think we all can use a laugh especially after the past year that we have had going through the coronavirus and the pandemic. It was a refreshing conversation to have with Carrie. She is also the author of a 60-day devotional called She Rises Late and Her Kids Make Her Breakfast, but it is basically for time-crunched women longing for God. So again, I think you're going to get some comedy out of that and also from this conversation. I really enjoyed talking to her. We recorded this back in December, and so uh, been waiting to release this. Like I said last week, I had some series that I was going through in January and February, and so her conversation's a little bit delayed, but it's super excited to bring this to you guys, and I hope you guys will enjoy hearing from Carrie. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Carrie Pomerale. I'm joined by Carrie Pomerale, and I'll just read your bio real quick. National headlining stand-up comedian. You've appeared with Jay Leno, Jim Carrey, Sherry Shepard, Carol Channing, and Jerry Lewis. You've been featured on The Tonight Show 29 times, Comedy Central, ABC, and much more. It's a long list of uh, accomplishments there, people to be associated with. Welcome to the show, Carrie, and, and excited to talk to you. I was just watching The Grinch You Stole Christmas last night with Jim Carrey, and uh, yeah, I was just thinking about how great he was to work with and how um, he's such a genius. I think that People that do comedy the way he does or, you know, comedians that we respect, they're so smart. They're just, I mean, they're very, very intelligent people. And his mind does go a million miles a minute. Uh, he's very much like that off stage as much as he is on stage, but really kind and gracious, but just so smart, you know? Yeah. And I, and I love talking to the, the big part of the show is just talking to, to creative people in all different areas of creativity. And I love hearing their process. And so I'm interested here in a little bit, just to hear kind of your thought process of how you come up with jokes or bids and that kind of stuff. But, um, that's you know, a great topic. That's yeah. And topic. I love, I love learning about that kind of stuff and how people figure that stuff out. Cause like, like I said, I'm not naturally funny. So I, I don't naturally have not, um, you know, funny observations like comedians do. So I'm so interested to hear that. Like- the old quote says, people say funny things, but comedians say things funny because our mind doesn't work the way yours like does. For example, I've been dieting or supposedly dieting, whatever. And I get on the scale and it's digital. Like my scale's digital. Right. And it looked to me yesterday, like my scale said, LOL. Like I really, I was like, this looks like my scale says, LOL. 
And so I was like, there's a bit. And I was like, you know what? It's like my mother talking to me. And I was like, when I get on the scale, I would like to have a voice on the scale. that's like, honey, this is not a thyroid problem. You're emotionally eating. You shouldn't have had the cheesecake. And so it's just like evolving from real life. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, you know, you have kids or you have a husband or you have a wife and they say something so stupid. And then you're like, that's going in my act. Like I own that. But most good comedy comes from like emotion, anger, trauma, fatigue. I'm frustrated. So we were talking about it the other day, my friend and I who was a comedian. And he's like, you know, I don't think Kevin Hart's funny anymore because he's rich and famous and he doesn't have anything to complain about. Chris Rock's the same way. <laughs> like Kevin Hart was really funny when he talked about his crackhead dad going to his teacher conferences. And now he lives in a mansion in Beverly Hills. I don't care. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard for comics to keep their edge a lot of years in a row. That's why you see a lot of comics go to acting. If you look at their trajectory. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I guess we can just kind of camp out here because I think, you know, my, my kind of humor that I enjoy is like the Jerry Seinfeld-esque humor, oh, brilliant. Uh, which we were just talking about, my buddy Jake and Trey, and and they they kind of have that same, especially Jake, he has very similar, like just like his whole podcast is basically like if Seinfeld had a podcast, it's just kind of funny observations like that. And I think those are like, to me, it's just like things that are everyday life relatable type of humor. Like I, is the funniest I thing to love me. Sebastian Maniscalco. Do you know who that is? I've heard the name. I'm not familiar with his comedy, so but, I, but I've heard I'm the name. I'm Italian. He's Italian. I'm not New York Italian, but he talked about growing up in the 80s when you had the plastic furniture over the couches. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, yeah. and your mom always had coffee cake because like your Italian mother always had coffee cake. And she's like, that's for company. That's for company. You know, <laughs> and then he's like, you know, everybody would get so excited back in the 80s when company would come over company. Right. And he's like, now you're eating dinner and somebody knocks on the door and everybody's like, everybody dog, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. We don't know who it is. And so like his style is so and I love um, John Heffron. If you guys don't know these comics, please look them up. They're brilliant. He talks about growing up and when you had that swing set, it was so ghetto that like you would swing so high and the poles would come out of the ground because your dad like didn't install it. And he's like, my dad would ground me. And he's like, ah, it's okay. I can play with the wrapping paper holder, you know, the wrapping paper cardboard and make nunchucks. Yeah. And just those like relatable moments to me are just what makes me fall off my chair laughing. You know, yeah. Jim Gaffigan and Brian Regan and you know, all those, um, all those moments that it's not about being like so abstract that nobody gets you. Yeah. Yeah. I think like for me, you know, I can remember specifically, I had this observation. I was in the airport one time and I know why people do this, but it was just like, I see all these people rushing up an escalator or they're running down those things that like you, you, you get on and it's supposed to just like take you down the hallway. It allows you to walk faster. I'm just kind of like, you know, those things are designed to make me be able to be lazy. And I see people rushing up them. And I was like, that to me felt like a little Seinfeld observation where it was like, why do people do that? Why don't they just let them do their job? And I I just, I love those little like everyday life observations. Why are we rushing to board a plane early when it all leaves at the same time? Like I always thought that like, or stand up when they leave. Yeah. Paula Poundstone used to do this bit about airplanes and she's like, why are you giving us the Newsweek and Time magazines back in coach? You know that we want people on the Inquirer, okay? That's why we're in coach. <laughs> and like stuff like that just makes me cry because I was like, that is so flipping real, you know? Yeah. I'm like, we're not reading Newsweek back in coach. Clearly we are not. You know? 
So this year, obviously, you know, 2020 was a, was a tough year, but as a, as a comedian, how much did just, you know, having that mindset where you're able to kind of look at life differently, help you maybe navigate what would have been, what was a difficult year. And even just, you know, as the pandemic has, has persisted, you know, that, that mindset of looking at things maybe differently, how much has that, well, have you found that be, benefited you? I try to be positive and I would call my friend, Bob Smiley back in March. And I'm like, we're going to be back on the road by April, buddy. It's okay. And then I call him in April. We're going to be back on the road by June, you know, and here we are in November and, I try to be Pollyanna about it, but I, I have comedian friends that we would call each other and I'm like, um, it's going to be okay. Right. Like they still need us. Right. You know, because it's just so like, are we going to be extinct? Because everybody's so super sensitive in 2022. It's not just that comedy's not happening. You can't say certain words. You can't say certain phrases. And it just feels yeah. like every, everything got shut down. Our emotions got shut down and comedians are the voice of a generation. So I don't think we're ever going to be extinct, but there were a few months there where I just felt like, I don't know how we're going to proceed because the political correctness has taken away all observational comedy. Yeah. You know, Jerry Seinfeld won't do a college anymore. Like yeah. neither will Chris Rock. So, um, I, I think it's just a matter of like keeping a positive attitude. I pivoted. I started doing virtual shows. I was doing virtual game nights. I, you know, you get a little lazy. I was like, oh shoot, I'm in my bedroom doing a comedy show and oh, this could work, you know, <laughs> but I did a couple live shows recently and I I'm telling you, I could cry. I was so grateful yeah. to be in front of a live audience. I was just like, Lord, please don't ever take this from me. I'll never take it for granted. Yeah. So I hope that we have a, Bright future. I think laughter is really needed. Oh, 100%. I think this year, I, I would argue that this year, 2020 pr proved that we need comedians even more because I think the, the I reprieve so. that we were, the reprieve that we were given through laughter, whether that was a, co a comedic movie, a TV show, watching a comedian online. I mean, we, we need during this pandemic, we have needed laughter and joy and humor. I think more than we realized we needed it before. So and I would I actually also, argue that you guys are proven to be not I extinct, so. but more valuable. Well, and then, you know, as a professional comedian, we're competing with TikTok, which is yeah. weird because a TikTok is 33 seconds. It's not a 45 minute show live, right. but people's attention spans are so short now. And I was on TikTok last night and shoot two hours out of my life, which I will never get back. And <laughs> I'm, and I, and some of these moms are killing it on TikTok, but it's hard yeah. when you're a professional, like my friends that are professional comics. I was like, oh yeah, I'm crushing TikTok. I have 21 followers because my 13 year old dared me to go on it. And I was like, I can't go on it. There's predators. She goes, mom, trust me. You're not what the predators are looking for. And so uh, it's weird because our attention is spread out. And this is a whole comedy conversation, like YouTube, like many, many YouTubers, but they have to be able to perform live. So the comedy shows are, they're booking these YouTubers, but if they don't have live material, it's not a show. So like right. a comedian, like a John Chris or a Trey Kennedy that has an act, they're going to really succeed because they're killing it on all the platforms. Right. So it's a matter of people are seeking laughter. I'm just excited for them to get out of the house because there's nothing like the exchange. I just did a show last week and, um, oh my gosh, it was just joyful. It was just joyful. And I could joke about the pandemic. I was at a church and in, in San Diego, I was at a church in San Diego Churches are closed, but the strip clubs are open. And I was like, we need to be more evangelical because you're going to get your tithes in single dollar bills if we do <laughs> outreach at the strip club. 
why are we so judgy? Um, yeah. You know, and so it's just like a joy. I, I'll never take it for granted. I mean, I don't know that I did or didn't, but, you know, we're just all very humbled. We're yeah. just very humbled, I would say, all of us, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, what do you what do you do for work when you're not podcasting? I'm a teacher. I'm a high school teacher. Oh, my gosh. We're not worthy. <laughs> we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Talk about some are funny you? people. There are some teachers on TikTok that are absolutely hilarious. I mean, seriously, TikTok is like taking America and just giving them their 15 minutes. And it's kind of awesome. Yeah. But the stuff that I get sucked into, I was like, oh, these blow ups. My favorite are the blow ups. Like I was a nerdy girl in high school and now I'm hot now. Yeah. I'm crying for her. The weight loss journeys. I'm like, yeah. I can't get this time back. It's one o'clock in the morning. Go to bed, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I, right? I found myself doing that too, where it's like, I just realized, oh my gosh, I've spent an hour scrolling on TikTok and watching these stupid videos. Some of them are really dumb. Some of them are hilarious. I, I, I posted a TikTok one time and I was like, I have found that TikTok is either, it's simultaneously the least and most creative space on the internet because you have and some people that just do like, like time suck. Like yes. I don't get sucked into Instagram the way that I get sucked yes. into Facebook. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. Is that JLo? Is that her living room? Oh my gosh. I love her couch. Like it's the dumbest thing. Or like, yeah. why is Wayne Brady living with his ex-wife? Oh, that's cool. I'm living with my ex-husband. We're best friends. Like, I mean, I, it's like, it's literally like, it's a, it's like an addiction and our, our, I, I worry about our brains. I know you're a teacher. I worry about our brains oh, getting sucked into ADD yeah. because my kids don't even watch TV. They watch YouTube. Yeah. And this guy posted this meme. It was so funny. He wrote, I took my kids to watch Christmas lights, but they took their iPad so they could watch another kid watch Christmas lights. <laughs> and I was like, this is my life. This is my life. You know, like, and then my daughter now she's watching these YouTubes of these kids that sing badly. And I'm like, shut it off. It's horrible. Like watch why are you watching these kids trying to sing Disney songs? They suck, Ruby. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how they got on YouTube. That's hilarious. Yeah, I you mentioned earlier just like how it, it's it's a lot harder, obviously, to put together a full set for a comedy show. A lot of these people are, are really funny. They're great at creating 30 seconds to a minute long videos, but it's a whole Brilliant. other piece of work to put together a comedy set. So maybe can you walk us through what that looks like? Cause you've got, you've got bits and you've got, you piece them together. And, and like Jerry Seinfeld just came out with a book. Um, it's called, is this anything? And it's kind of like a bunch of jokes that he's never used before and a bunch of bits and that kind of stuff. And he talked about like, you know, I, I've watched a lot of stuff about him, about how he puts his sets together, but like, that's a lot. Cause you gotta, I mean, you have to rehearse it. You have to you know, try it out in front of audiences to see what jokes work and what yeah, jokes I'm sure don't. He said that, right. Was yeah. Jerry talking about how he's, yeah. I mean, it's like, you have to be on stage a hundred times before you even know your name. Like you don't even, yeah. these new kids are like calling me up. Like I want to do stand up comedy. I'm like, well then go practice. Like yeah. go, well, there's no clubs. Well then go teach Sunday school. Like go be a <laughs> high school substitute teacher. Like go do something, you know, go in the Except cafeteria. for my class. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm like, first of all, I am humbled. If I ever have to perform for high schoolers, I'm and the only way I know if I'm good is if they ask like to sign, if I can sign their jeans or their tennis shoes at the end. And then <laughs> I feel like, like, okay. Um, but yeah, whenever a high schooler tells me I'm funny, I'm so humbled, but uh, like, basically 
I started comedy 14 years ago with a, a notebook. And my first comedy class was taught by a woman named Judy Carter. She's very famous. She wrote a book called The Comedy Bible. And she's like, your first sentence is, you know what's hard about? You know what's hard about being a podcaster? You know what's hard about COVID? And then you fill in the blank. And so it's like, you know what's hard about being, uh, you know, Italian? And you go with the obvious jokes like the obvious jokes. And I'm telling you, there are jokes that have been in my act for 14 years. And I will still tell them. I'll be like, you know, what's hard about having a mom who's bargain savvy. Your favorite shampoo is called holiday in. Now that is like the oldest joke I've ever told. And like, I'm like, and my like baby blanket said Delta on it. So I just started rattling off things that were weird about my mom. Yeah. Like when we went to the movies, I didn't know they sold popcorn because my mom had the duffel bag purse. So it's based <laughs> on you know, the trench coat mom who has to go to the Dollar Tree. And then that, now I'm a stickler. Uh, I think you need to get a laugh like every five to seven seconds. And and don't you tell me you're a good comedian unless you're getting a laugh. 10 seconds is generous. So you come up with the premise, which is, you know, it's hard about, and then you come up with the punchline and then you come up with the tag. So I could go off on the dollar store forever and ever and ever and be like, you know, it's weird. They have Christ toothpaste. And why is Campbell's soup in Spanish? And that reminds me, I bought the Spanish greeting cards and I send them to my mother. Happy birthday <laughs> and Feliz Navidad. And you just go and you go and you go. So when you watch a comedian, they take one topic and they wring it out dry to the point where, you know, it's it's kind of finished. And then you never have a pause. So it's it's fast, fast, fast. Now they may seem like they're slow and they're taking a pause, but it's very calculated. Yeah. So another thing is they have a bag of tricks. When the phone rings, they know what they're going to say. If the microphone goes off, they know what they're going to say. Yeah. We've got a bag of tricks and the good comedians can go out into that audience and talk to you like a fresh conversation that they've probably had a hundred times when you say you're a high school teacher. Yeah. So it's just a, it's, you know, it's a big bag of tricks, but it's ever evolving. I like comedians that keep it fresh, that do new material. Jim Gaffigan like retires his material every year. Wow. He's insane. Um, but I think life gives you comedy. I don't typically anymore write it down as much. Okay. But that was I'll one of my questions like, was if you write it, if you journal it or like, write it. I have these, um, I have these little, uh, Sometimes when I do a show online, see this little board? Yeah. I cheat because I'm doing a show in my living room and there's no one here to laugh at me. I, <laughs> I have little notes and I'll write, I'll write like homeschool or I'll write common core. And I'll be like, common core math is not two plus two is four. Common core math is two plus two is whatever Amy felt like it. And she's organic, you know? And then I was like, and by the way, I just tell my daughters the truth. You don't need math because you're pretty. And yeah. so it just goes on to these like crazy, like the other day, my daughter in real life, she goes, you just got through high school because you're pretty. I go, no, I did it. I got through high school because I was dating the quarterback and my math teacher was a football coach. Okay. I put an effort. <laughs> all right. I put an effort now. Number two. Um, so their, their life, like when somebody says something now, I'm going to tell you a little secret because I'm a Christian and I do clean comedy. There's a lot of things I say that my comedian friends end up getting from me because I can't say it in a church. Like yeah. I said to my friend, Angela, it's not even dirty. I said to my friend, Angela, I feel like my daughter, my 13 year old daughter is dressing like she's gender transitioning because like she never wears girls clothes anymore. 
And Angela's like, that is freaking funny. I go, yeah, I'm always waiting to have like the talk. And, um, I'm like, you can have it. I like my church audiences will think that's offensive, even right. though it's not, it's just observation that she doesn't wear dresses. Yeah. And, um, so we talked earlier before we started the podcast being a quote unquote Christian who does comedy or as most people call it Christian comedy, you have to be clean on like another level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about those live shows that you did. I'm, I'm interested. So, you know, a comedian, I feel like feeds off of the laughter and the energy from the room. Whenever you're doing these live shows, are people, is it like a zoom room where you can no. see them and you can hear them laughing? Or are you just hoping that they're no. laughing? Pre-recorded. Oh, Horrible. okay. So it's what is like that like? Then? How does that work with the energy guy. then? Just you and one person it's in the room? Me and my ex-husband who's like laughing, or I'll bring a friend in like an Ed McMahon or like an Andy Richter. And I just sit and I like do story time with Carrie and I've done this for a and I'm also an actor. So I know how to like, I've always, I've always had an acting background. So I know how to get in. It's almost like character. Yeah. And it's just a rant. It's like a 45 minute rant about how much I hate homeschooling and I hate COVID. And I know the schools aren't open, but I drop my kids off every morning anyway, cause I'm in faith, you know, and I pick them up at three. And so it's just like a rant and you just go and you go and you go and you don't stop. And you hope they laugh, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and they do because I've done them enough, but yeah. it's so hard. It's that's so going to be a hard, and that's, no. I, I can only imagine the adjustment needed for that. Cause you just, you have no idea if somebody on the other end is, is laughing or not, you know, but, or, I mean, are they going to laugh? Like, you've done it for long enough. Now I've done the zoom shows where they're commenting and stuff. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of live streams, like Facebook lives. I do a Facebook live every Sunday. I'm starting a podcast with my 13 year old daughter. Called I this saw that on your YouTube. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Cause we were just arguing one day. I'm like, well, this is money in the bank. And, um, yeah. So have you enjoyed the podcast world? Cause I'm just dipping my toe in it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been really cool to get to meet all kinds. Like for me as somebody who like I, by trade, I'm a writer. And so I love, I, I talk to a lot of authors and I love hearing about the writing process and that sort of stuff. But I love just talking to, people in various creative spaces and learning about their work and their process. So for me, it's been really fun because I actually have a journalism background. I went to school for journalism. So I love interviewing people and I love just talking to people and, and telling stories. And for me, this is just another kind of a new way to tell stories. I mean, podcasts are kind of growing. They're, they're booming right now. And it's another form of storytelling. And that's what I have found to be the most rewarding part of it. Well, you know, I'm a writer and I, adore writing i i write books and stuff but i write movies um with my partner and you know people have asked me what gives you the most joy and it's hard to pick it's like you know which one of your kids do you like the best but i mean you haven't heard laughter until it's like me and my partner at 11 o'clock at night now it's on zoom and we write for the hallmark channel right now oh wow and okay. so uh which is really fun but all the things that we can't say on the hallmark channel like <laughs> yoga or you can't have like old people Christ. You know, like, like all this stuff, but we just howl laughing and like writing is, I, I hate to say it's my great, I, I want to tell you it's my greatest joy. I mean, I laugh my head off writing these comedy projects and it's so much fun to have a partner because comedy is very lonely. Stand-up's right. very lonely. And, um, I like writing books and things, but that's a grind. I mean, that's yeah. a totally different grind when you're like, we're writing these movies with these, I'm an eighties kid. 
So in our movies, we try to name all the members of like New Edition, uh, like on purpose as characters and like 80s bands and, you know, Belva DeVoe. And so I just laugh and laugh. So I kind of, I just have this life where, you know, you hope it flies, you hope somebody buys it. But the fact that you get to do something that brings people joy and laughter is such a gift. Yeah. You know, 100%. And, and, and what's really cool, I think, about your situation is, you know, you're living there in Hollywood and everybody kind of knows the deal with Hollywood. It's, 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 it's got to be a hard place for, for somebody who's a Christian and, and a creative person and, a, and an inter- entertainer in Hollywood to navigate. What is that like to, to be able to do that? Because, you know, you've written about, uh, you know, your, your struggles with perfectionism and that sort of stuff and, and even the struggle of being a Christian in Hollywood. Can you kind of just describe like, have, have there been times where you felt alone or has it, have you been able to find um, a community and people that have accepted the fact that you have a faith, even though that's kind of uh, yeah. not what you'd see for most entertainers there? You know, Cole, when I get the most frustrated, I'm going to be honest, is with people that are Christians and they're doing crap projects. Yeah. It breaks my heart. And I'm so trying not to be judgy, but I'm like, sin is sin. Let's judge sin. And so yeah. I've, I just get sad and I get sad with Hollywood. I get sad with the crap they produce, the gore, the sexual immorality. Um, But when a Christian, a professing Christian is like out there being like Jesus. And I'm not talking like you're a rapper, you're a Christian. I mean, like these people are like, you know, and they go and they do a movie and there's sexual immorality in the movie that's glorified. Like, I just get so angry. I'm like, God, do you see this? Or you know, when the pastors are talking about what a great show Game of Thrones is, and I'm like, Christians watching Fifty Shades of Grey when nobody's watching, it just, it irks me. So, you know, the Hallmark Channel is the number one rated cable station of all time. The fact that they want to pay me to write clean movies, um, you know, it's, I feel like I won the lottery. We're on hiatus with them right now. But, uh, and you know, I've got a couple other projects. And the fact that anybody takes the time to say they like my work, it's so hard. I mean, the fact that, you know, you write anything and anybody reads it and says, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a, it's such a like, oh my gosh, God, what am I doing? And why am I here? And then another door will open. Yeah. My partner and I have been writing together for 12 years. Wow. 12 years. Awesome. And we're about to sell a script that we wrote like 11 years ago. And it's been sold and bought 13 times. So people make me laugh when they go, oh my gosh, you made it. Like that was quick. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, And so I just want to keep writing, but I don't know that I can because somebody has to like it. And then there's a whole business to it. Like when you write a book now, it's not good enough to just write a book. If you have a publisher, you got to market the book. You got to sell the book. You got to do the podcast. You got to get the numbers in. You got to get the launch team. And I, I find fun in that. But I also think that people don't realize it's a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why I tell a lot of first-time authors, I go publish on Amazon, self-publish, do yourself a favor and just enjoy it for what it is. You don't yeah. need people breathing down your neck that you didn't do well enough. Yeah. What are some, you know, we, we were kind of talking about being a Christian in Hollywood. What are, what are maybe some stereotypes that we have as a as an outsider looking in at Hollywood that maybe you're not as accurate? You know, you, you live in Hollywood. And what are I guess kind of what I'm getting at? Are, are, are there Absolutely. are there stories um, of, are there stories of Christianity that we are not aware of? Like where people are actually Christians sure. and that's persisting. Like what what are I guess what is well, what's kind of the inside of Hollywood I from mean, your perspective? 
if you were to come on a street, it would look like Kansas city. I mean, like it, it's not, <laughs> it's not glitz and glamor. It's yeah. not like I live in this. Okay. The houses are a lot smaller than everybody thinks because there's like the mansions in Beverly Hills and the rest of us live in like a thousand square feet and don't ask us what we pay for those houses. <laughs> and we have our little sidewalk parties and block parties and neighborhood and 4th of July parade. And there's so many churches out here. There are a million churches in LA and they're good churches. People don't realize it. But the thing about LA churches is they have to have a cool name like bread. That is a real church out here. Okay. Ecclesia. Like I'm like waiting for like the peanut butter and jelly. I mean, like it, like churches are everywhere. They're in yeah. nightclubs. Like they're not maybe a traditional brick and mortar. Yes. There's, there's tons still of those. But there is a movement of revival in LA happening. There is a movement of the Holy Spirit. There is a movement of seeking God. We may be the small remnant, like I'm sure a lot of people feel in this country, but LA is not to be forgotten because there are, believe it or not, I think I counted like four Christians. I think that's the meet, <laughs> that's the last time we had a meeting. But um, it's not all like glam. I mean, it's I live in I live in LA, but I live on like a normal street i think you know it's just funny because yeah. i live on a normal street and then two blocks away is like oh yeah don't go down that street you'll get mugged but like yeah. my street is good <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so tell us about this new book confessions of a proverbs 32 woman uh which i think is is a hilarious title there is no proverbs 32 which i gotta say is probably oh, the point of the, okay. yeah <laughs> but uh tell us about the idea and the heart behind this book and what you're hoping people will get from it well, thanks for asking. Um, I've always done this joke that I read Proverbs 31 and I don't plow and I don't rise early. And I told God I, I don't belong in a field, so I'm not going to be a Proverbs 31 woman. So I was like, there should be a chapter for me. There should be a chapter for the rest of us, like hashtag hot mess for Jesus, that we're not making crockpot meals. And we're like, she rises late and her kids make her breakfast or like, it's not gossip if your head is bowed, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> and so I made t-shirts and hats and then I just decided to find a publisher that would take a chance on me. I think women today are just as pressured by the church as they are Hollywood to be, uh, you know, perfect and, 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 uh, you know, Pinteresty and holy and like, we're really jacked up lately. Like women are very jacked up, <laughs> messed yeah. up. And I feel like God is like, whoa, sister, I never told you you needed to do all that. I never told your kids socks needed to match. That's crazy. So, um, I wrote from a perspective of humor to let the everyday woman out there know that we all don't need to look as perfect as we think we do and, and yeah. be as perfect. Yeah. And one thing that I've written a ton about this year, um, uh, and, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you, you don't really hear a lot of guys talking about this topic, but I've written a lot about my own struggles with comparison and contentment and identity. And I feel like when you're, awesome. when, you're, when, when you're talking about perfectionism in any sort of creative space, I think a lot of people, you know, that's kind of where they go is they start to compare themselves to other people. They see what seemingly looks like a perfect life. Cause you know, on social media, we see people's look, highlights. Look, 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 look at the celebrities. Right. Look at, I mean, these are not, this is not gossip to bring this up, but John Christ, you know, his journey, right. like what he went through, one of the number one selling clean comedy all time, ended up taking a year off to get his life right with God. And it was all, it was all falling apart. But yeah, I am guilty of that. I am guilty of saying, oh, why don't I have more quote followers on social media or whatever? And 
it is such a toxic trap, right? right? It's a toxic trap to compare. I wrote about that in my book, but it's human nature. And we, we do set ourselves up for comparisons by playing in the same sandbox. Yeah. Like we're all playing in the same podcast sandbox. We're all playing in the same TikTok sandbox. I don't know. Have you figured out any coping mechanisms to keep your sanity and not compare? Um, and I wrote when I when I started writing about this earlier this year. The one thing I did was in February, I think I turned off all of my notifications uh, for uh, every social media app, which helped me a lot. And then I, I mean, I haven't figured it out a whole lot, but I've just tried to to tell myself like not to worry about like how many likes I get just to kind of find the joy in what I'm creating. And so that's kind of been the biggest thing for me is just saying like, I really enjoy this. I'm going to keep doing this because I enjoy it. And whether it gets, you know, whether a podcast episode gets 50 listens, 500 listens, whatever, like I'm going to enjoy the process of creating. And so that's kind of what I've tried to do with it. Yeah. Because you can't look at, uh, like, let me just tell you, I, I'm in Hollywood, you know, and you can't look at a celebrity and know the truth. You, um, you know, you don't see them at the bar, like drinking themselves into oblivion and yeah. just being so, and the higher you go, the higher you have to fall. And yeah. so it sounds weird to think that multimillionaires are worried about money, but they've set themselves up to have this staff and lifestyle and they go through the same insecurities. And if they don't have faith, God help them. Yeah. I don't even know how they would survive if Me they don't either. have faith because <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And so, yeah. um, I'm glad I have Jesus because at the end of the day, none of this matters Yeah. at the end of the day. It's like, did you serve me? And in my job, I get to tell people about Jesus Christ. I get to preach the gospel. I get to say, God is good. He's a supernatural. I get to see cancer healed. And you know, like I pray for people at my shows. And yeah. so and I, I, at every show, unless it's like a club and then I'll pray backstage, but <laughs> I literally do an altar call at 99% of my shows. And so God's like, you want to compare that with your friend who's guest starring on HBO? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like I could do both. I could do both. Yeah. But, um, I feel that, you know, when you're in the right lane, cause you just feel like God's favor on you. Yeah. If people say I moved to Hollywood, I want to be an actor. I've been here five years. I've never gotten a job. I'm like, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, like, do we need to pivot a little bit? What else could there be for you? Are you an editor? Are you a director? Are you a teacher? Like I'm a comedian. I thought I was an actor. Yeah. But God's like, no, I've got comedy for you. Take a left turn. Yeah. Yeah. Two books that I have read and I found myself referencing one of these a lot this year, but Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is one of my favorite books when it comes to creativity. And she talks just a lot about like having joy in the process of it. And I, I, that's what I've had to shift my mind is just like having joy in the process of creating. But I think what you just hit on, um, I read a book by Bob Goff this year called Dream Big. Um, and I love Bob. I love Bob Goff. And this book was awesome because he talks about how like, you know, he's a lawyer by trade but he doesn't practice law like he used to. And he said, you know, if you, like for me, like I'm a perfect example of this. I went to school for journalism. I was pretty married to that career path for a long time. And then I decided that I needed to shift because I wasn't feeling called in the journalism field anymore. And if you feel like your identity is tied into a certain career or path or whatever, like you talk about somebody has moved to LA and they're trying to find an acting job. They haven't found something for five years. It's completely okay to say, maybe that was me for a season of my life, but now I can pivot and do something else. And he basically was saying who you were then is not who you always have to be now. Like basically Jesus 
makes us a new creation. And I think we can take that to say like, in this season of my life, I'm, this is what I want to pursue. Like if your passion is different, like I wasn't interested in podcasting three years ago. Uh, it wasn't what was, you know, planned for my life. And now here I am. So I think what you're saying is awesome. Like if something maybe isn't working out or, or, you know, maybe God is actually calling you to do something else. And I think for some people, we have a hard time putting aside this dream that we had and then pursuing maybe another path that might actually be beneficial or good for us. And I think that we have to be malleable with God. Everything in our hands has to be open. You know, I've even prayed during this COVID season, you know, I've been in LA for a long time, over 20 years. And I'm like, God, if you want to move me, I'll move. Like right. if you want me to quit comedy, I'll quit. Like, cause it's a very scary season when all of your comedy jobs are gone. Yeah. And, um, I'm very open. The older I get, the more I'm just like, Lord, in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd be writing for Hallmark Channel. I wasn't even on the agenda, you know, but it's just such a dream come true. But I'm like, God, if you make me a teacher, that will be a dream come true. Like I have to get off my hierarchy of what's better. Yeah. Because if you're in God's will, then that's the best place to be. Yeah. That's the best place to be is right in the middle of what he has for you. And then you feel it like you're not struggling to do your podcast because God's blessing your podcast. Yeah. So I feel like we just need to ask him like, Lord, where do you want me? And then when we do things behind the scenes that nobody sees that, you know, bless other people or we're just serving him on a daily basis, it just feels like every day we have something that a lot of these like famous celebrities, they don't, they're on a grind. They don't have God's favor in their life. They don't have a circle of blessing in their life. They've got people that want to take, take, take. And in the middle of their day and when they lay their head down at night, they don't feel peace. Yeah. So it's like, where in our life are we not feeling peace? And then we can talk to God about that. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. I mean, I just, I know like this year I got, I, I've had to just go like where God, where I feel like God has called me. Cause I never thought, you know, five years ago, even in college that I was going to end up being a teacher, it never was on my radar. And then four years ago or so, I just kind of felt like I was calling me that way. And and I think, you know, whenever you feel a calling, obviously pray about it, but then, you know, God might be saying, Hey, like my time for you and this season is up and I'm actually wanting you to pursue this. And I think that's a, it's a it's and a what are you, uh, are you an English teacher? Yes. You know, and like, I remember my English teachers more than any, I, Lisa Rohde, I remember things she said in high school and like Mr. Ford and actually I'm still friends with a couple of my teachers on Facebook. And like the fact that you are sowing seeds into the next generation, I know like sometimes it sounds cliche, but you are literally <laughs> changing the next generation. Like I'm a writer because I had good English teachers. And by the way, I, you know, I still don't use grammar or punctuation or, you know, spelling or any of those things they wanted me to use. But, um, Cormac McCarthy made a whole career out of that though. So you're good. (laughs) I I was like, I'm sorry, but I mean, you are making the world a better place by, by being a good teacher who actually cares. And I mean, there's just not enough thank yous. Do you feel in this season that you've gotten more street cred as a teacher? Cause all the parents finally get it. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit, but I've also found lately that uh, it's weird because there's actually been kind of a narrative shift that a little bit where I've seen some parents like blaming teachers for some of the stuff that's going on or like they're blaming their the teachers for giving too much work or they think that we're not doing our job because we're not like right now in Kentucky, we're virtual. We're, we're on a virtual setting. Yeah, and everywhere. So, we are everywhere. And, and so I'm like, 
some, some people are very thankful that others are like, you know, I think it's a lot of the same crowd who is skeptical of a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. They are skeptical of what's happening in the schools too. And it's like, look, everybody's doing the best they can. The one thing I saw this on, on Facebook the other day, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, that, that students are falling behind right now. And, and it's, it's a matter of perspective, but it's actually like students aren't falling, but they're not falling behind. They're trying to, to navigate a pandemic. <laughs> like it's unprecedented what these kids are going through in schools and teachers. Like nobody wants anybody to fall behind, but you know, we're doing the best we can to navigate and I don't a pandemic. See it that way. I don't think my kids are falling behind at all. They've got right. like three teachers. Now they have their teacher on zoom. They've got mom, their dad, like it takes a flipping village. Yeah. Like it's like a full contact sport with my fourth grader. I'm like, all right, we got spelling words. We got spelling stuff on Friday. We got Bible tests. We got like, I have to bribe her. I'm like, Oh, you can watch TV if you write these sentences, you know, but yeah. it's, it is a full contact sport. And I just feel like once she gets back in the classroom, homework's going to be a breeze because we're used to doing the whole gamut. But now I see what my child's learning. I'm aware of what her day looks like. I'm aware of everything that she's ingesting. And I have a better idea how to help her. You know, like I see where she's struggling. I see where she's not mainly my little one, my seventh grader is off to the races, but um, it's really been eye opening for me and my kids are doing better in zoom. That's good to hear. That's encouraging because there are some kids like, I, like today I met with a student for two hours who needed help individually. And it's like, I, I don't mind doing that because I want to be able to help kids. But, you know, most of what we're doing is like, you and I are talking over video chat. And it's like, that's how a lot of the instruction is happening right now. And look, we're just trying to adapt. And, I, you know, talk about creativity. Teachers are, are incredibly creative. And I've seen some really creative stuff from teachers on how to reach their kids during this time. And so and what are your, um, what are your kids reading now, Cole? What books do you have them reading? Uh, we just finished death of a salesman with one of my classes. And then we also just finished Fahrenheit 451, which is one of my oh, favorite yeah. books that I've ever, I teach that every year. Um, yeah. I'm hoping since we went virtual, we kind of just been doing a lot of short stories and that kind of stuff, but I'm hoping you still read like catcher in the rye. Uh, that it, I, I haven't actually taught that. Um, I just moved to a new school this year, but we have a kind of have free choice to, to pick what we want to choose to read and to, to read with the kids. So that's on my list of options, but I also, but love, I, will, um, I love teaching great Gatsby too. That's like my favorite. I book will to teach. tell you my fourth grader has to read this book called Island of the blue dolphins. Are you familiar with this book? No. Cool. Everybody dies in this book. It's a fourth grade <laughs> book. Everyone dies. This girl's left on the island. I don't flip it care that it's a true story. The dogs eat her brother, and then the dogs eat her pets, and then her other pet becomes a wild rabbit dog. I don't care that this kid survived. It's not fourth grade reading. I am yeah, that's appalled. Crazy. That's and crazy. then the teacher goes, if you don't like the book, just rent the movie. You can write the book. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> this is a teacher telling me, just write the movie. You can write it about them. Oh, but gosh. I was like, what the frick are these kids reading in fourth grade? That's these crazy. crazy. Yeah. Books. With high school, we have a little bit more leeway because we can teach certain stuff, you know, certain, a little bit more advanced stuff. But The Great Gatsby is always one of my favorites. I, yeah. I used to teach The Crucible, which is a play, and I love teaching oh, that I know too. That's a good one. So I, there's, I teach mostly American literature, which is like my sweet spot. And Remember so, Animal Farm? Yes. Yep. We, uh, what's cool is whenever we did Fahrenheit 451, we did a whole unit on banned books and books that have been banned in schools and animal farm is on that Fantastic. list along, along with what's Fahrenheit 451 about, I can't remember. It's a dystopian story. Uh, basically it's, uh, this, 
guy actually his name is guy um but he is a fireman and it's set in this futuristic society where nice. basically books are burned uh Ooh. like you're it's not you're not allowed to have books but uh, books are symbolic of basically any of your freedoms of expression your entertainment like i love that and it's cool. it was it was written in the 50s but oh my gosh if you read it now you would think that you're reading a book that was written last year it's unbelievably That's relevant the thing about getting these kids off Netflix and reading yeah. real classic literature, like, man, I, there's no substitute for that. Yep. There's just no substitute. I love yeah. good books. I, yeah. I love, I love that you guys are doing that. And it's I still have so all my cool. papers from high school and like, you know, I'm trying to share them with my daughter. She's like, yeah, that's cool. Mom. That's cool. Whatever. <laughs> Don't really care. Don't really care. Don't yeah. really care. They, they, uh, Fahrenheit 451 uh, was made into a, 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 a move, a new modern movie, actually, uh, Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon were in the movie. And so it's a, it's a little bit different than the actual text itself. A lot of the Did concepts, it, it came out in 2018. So uh, I, I'm going to get that for, what I think was it was on, I think book? it was on HBO, I think is where I found it. There was a book that's like great literature and it came out a wrinkle in time. Yeah, was that I've the not, one with like the three fairies like two years ago? It was so bad. I, I've like not, I've actually movie. not read that one. There are a lot of books that I still need to read. I read I a mean, lot more nonfiction. Hollywood <laughs> needs to take a chill pill. Like yeah. they need to be like, no, they're not fairies in the sky. Yeah. So bad. It was so bad. And yeah. Oprah Winfrey was like the biggest fairy with the biggest head and the biggest. And I was like, of course, <laughs> Oprah gets to be the biggest fairy in a wrinkle in time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's so great to hear, Cole. Like I, I just want to praise you for doing what you well, do because we need you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, obviously we don't do it for the praise, but it is nice to hear every now and then people well, say thank you for what you're doing. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I've been called into classrooms, and after 14 minutes, I'm out of material. Like I am so out of there. I'm like, yeah. is it three? Is it yeah. three yet? Because I'm done. I'm done with you guys. So the fact that you last more than an hour, we're not worthy. There are plenty sure. of days where I'm talking and I'm like asking them about the book and trying to get them to respond. And a lot of students, they just look at me. And what's even worse now is that they're having to wear masks at school. So it's like such a, such a watered down version of like connecting with people. And I'm just kind of like, all right, guys, I'm but just here talking you, um, to myself. You, my kid is the one that will talk to you like all day long. Like all the teachers are like, Lucy's the only one that's like interactive in class. And Lucy's like, you know, she's like yeah. totally that, that was she that was me as a kid, as, as a student. <laughs> Lucy's in Bible school, being like, I know that one. They're like, anyone but Lucy McGee, anyone yeah. but Lucy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she will keep you talking all. She's like all day long, all day long. That's hilarious. Well, the final question I always love to ask my guests. So my show is called In No Hurry. And basically the idea when I created this was that, you know, we live super busy lives and sometimes have a hard time slowing down. Uh, 2020 kind of did that for us in a sense. But what are some things that you do? What are some rhythms that you go to when you are really busy and you realize that, hey, I need to slow down and kind of peel back a little bit from the hecticness that's okay, going on in um, life? I sit in my driveway and I listen to 80s music when nice. I'm supposed to be going in my house. Guns and Roses, uh, that I, kind of music? Oh, yeah, all of it. Def Leppard. Like, I mean, I was on my way to Bible study last week, and it was like White Snake came on, and I was yeah. like, God, going to be late. Uh, <laughs> I like, I think music is really soothing. I'm very, I'm a nostalgic person. I mean, Me too, I really yeah. am. Um, I, okay, this is what I do I look at recipes with the intention of making them, but it's like food porn. Like, I'm really never going to make them, but I love <laughs> looking at recipes. And, um, my daughters and I, I mean, this is not anything to brag about, but we love to watch TV and we love to watch movies together. And yeah. we watch 
oldies. I've raised my kids really well. We watch British, like British shows. And then during COVID, we watched every season of The Office, like even my nine-year-old. And uh, now we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But, uh, you know, like I really enjoy entertainment. I know that there's crazy, you know, you should be reading books with your kids. But just to watch a good Christmas movie together and laugh, we watch The Grinch. Maybe that's the only thing that's going to get them on the couch. But um, taking a moment, and usually for me, it's in my car, to just breathe. Like I have the 80s station. It's like therapy. I had to switch off all the news after November 4th. I just had yeah. to switch off. I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and so just taking a moment to like, like just breathe it in, like whatever that was, it brings back a fun memory for you or like you're rocking out to Prince 1999 in the car, just taking a drive. Cause I don't get out much is really just kind of a time to, um, you know, to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the election, and I, I was kind of going through your, your YouTube page earlier today before we talked, and I, I loved your joke about, uh, I think it was the, the what's the Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars, and it was like, why don't we just have the two candidates dance it off? We had 50-some-odd million people vote on that. Have them, have them dance it off, and we'll just have people vote that way. Yeah, I thought that was I'm funny. Not too far from the truth, Cole. Not too far <laughs> from the truth. Well, Carrie, if people want to connect with you and check out your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Um. I am everywhere. I am crushing it on TikTok at Carrie Palm, K-E-R-R-I-P-O-M. Carrie Palm on Instagram. Uh, if you find me on Instagram, you can go to my website, CarriePalm.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those annoying things. But uh, I have no hobbies, so I will write you back. <laughs> it might have some jokes attached to it, too. <laughs> For sure. People are like, why is she writing me at 2 a.m.? I'm like, because I can't sleep. Uh, yeah, but, um, I, I have a Proverbs 32 woman group on Facebook. If you want to be part of our, and one of my newest things, Cole, is I have a Patreon, uh, that people can join. Um, you can email me about that. It's like a VIP club and they get behind the scenes stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of a fun, they get to see a lot of things first before anybody else does. And then my podcast is coming, but I need to keep in touch with you, Cole, because I don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, I need I don't, some I don't, I'm not an expert at all by any means, but I, I, I have, it's, it's pretty easy once you get started, but it's kind of the, if you never, well, done I, it have before, a, it's uh, I have a 16 year old producer uh, named Andreas. Who's like, I skipped millennials. I went, I went right to Gen Y, but yeah. uh, he's helping me like push all the buttons. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for, for joining me. This is, this is so much fun. And uh, it's nice to, to hear all these stories and get a laugh here as well. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with comedian Carrie Pomerale. Definitely check out her book, Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman, and her devotional, She Rises Late and Her Kids Make Her Breakfast. Definitely very funny. I really enjoyed her perspective and the levity that she brought to the show. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to check out some of the others on this show. If you have not done so before, just hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get updated on new episodes that come out each Monday. also want to invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. You can do that by heading over to my website, coleclayborn.com. Also there, you can read some articles and devotionals that I write and find out ways to connect with me on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. 
and we'll see you back next week.